0: Well, I'm terribly frightened by the problem with LSD. Uh, I think there's been a great deal of misinformation. Good people don't smoke marijuana. Don't really says what you can't understand. There is nothing smart. There is nothing uh, grown up or sophisticated in taking an LSD trip at all. They're just being complete fools. Right, exactly. And that's one of the components of the LSD experience, the understanding that there is no they, there's no other. It is all one. One that would engage in this or indulge in this it is just a plain fool.
1: Welcome to the psychedelic renaissance. Welcome to the psychedelic renaissance.
2: Welcome to the psychedelic renaissance podcast. Episode three. Introduction to Integration, one of the most important topics in all of psychedelia. In order to get started with this topic, we're going to hear from a number of community members about their experiences firsthand integrating their psychedelic experiences. And we'll also be joined by a resident psychedelic integration therapist, Dr. Ryan Westrom, who has recently co-authored a book with Dr. Jay Dufer Show called The Psychedelic Integration Handbook. So he is a great expert on this topic and we're lucky to have him. By way of introduction, we're going to hear from Dr. Westrom and let him describe how an integration therapist differs from other therapists in the field
3: the difference is, i'm going to start with psychedelic integration therapist and what i identify as is it's a term pretty much coined to support the process of putting things back together or helping the client prepare for the experience and it's very important to also say right now the research trials is where all the legal psychedelic experiences are happening in the therapeutic realm a psychedelic integration therapist differentiates from the psychedelic assisted therapy in that during the psychedelic assisted therapy that research is being done with, they're um, legally doing it under the guidelines of the research that MAPS or the Hepner Institute or the other companies and organizations are using. The regular talk therapist is supporting someone but might not specialize in it, right? And before we get going here, Dr. Westrum is just going to touch on
2: the experience he brings to the table in writing this book and in sharing with us what he knows about integration on this podcast.
3: It's really both my personal experience uh, that I alluded to at the beginning of this conversation and the academic experience. So I think uh, the fulcrum between those two or the bridge would be that I have over, you know, Uh, 35 years of personal experience and somewhere in the lines of 15 to 20 years of working with these medicines professionally.
2: To get things kicked off here, we're going to hear from a number of our guests who chime in about what integration is, what it means.
1: Integration for me is the act of taking the things that I learn and experience during my psychedelic journey and bringing them into my ordinary day-to-day life. Over and over,
4: we hear the psychedelic experience gives you these tools or uh, brings you to these realizations.
5: I feel like, oh, this is the version of me I want to have all the time. And the integration
4: piece is how you actually benefit from those realizations.
1: If, for example, I see something that teaches me that compassion and caring is better than anger and jealousy, how do I live compassionately day by day?
2: And this relates to why it is necessary,
4: because it's a practice after that, you know? Mm -hmm. It's not to continue to, I mean, whatever you want to do, but, uh, you know, the goal isn't to continue
2: to stay high on
6: mushrooms. You are not designed to live in that space all the time. Our bodies are not set up for that
2: That was the neuroscientist, Dr. Jessica Nielsen, who we've heard on the show before speaking to the brain side of these things. And now we're going to hear from Dr. Ryan Westrum, who's going to speak to why even if we could stay in that state more often, why that might not be preferable.
3: I hope you can get to the the kind of felt sense that, hey, I don't need to be uh, doing a psilocybin session every year or every two months or every week. And I actually trust my body. Mm-hmm. I trust my mind, what's coming up cognitively. And I trust what the emotions are, right?
2: Now, I just looked up the definition literally on Google for what it means to integrate and so it means to make whole so to take all the parts and make them one whole. And I think that resonates with me because I've gone into these psychedelic experiences and I've found parts of my mind that I had never experienced before. Maybe it's tremendous beauty. Maybe it's an incredible creative capacity. And so I've, I've gotten in touch with these parts of myself, but then the experience fades.
3: And then I'm like, well, where is that part? Some of it's going to dissipate, and so we have to find concrete, sequential ways. It could be something as putting a you know a Buddha statue in your altar, or uh, say you saw something in the psychedelic experience, and you have a token of appreciation to it because you can't. There's no possible way that you're gonna remember all of this information. Doesn't matter how good of a journal you are, you write. You're, you're faced with the challenge
5: of, of taking what you saw there, those parts of you that uh, haven't been integrated yet, and then figuring out how the hell to do that. You know, how, the, the practical steps in life, um, the, the, the habits you're gonna to have to change, the, the, the belief systems you have to work out. And on that note about belief change,
2: let's now take a look at an example of how an earth-shattering psychedelic
7: experience
2: can transform the way somebody looks at the world.
7: Prior to uh, my introduction to psychedelics, I was like a really hardline, like, quote-unquote rational materialist. And then I eat magic mushrooms, and my eyes were opened. (laughs) It's like, wow, okay.
2: That was Carl, one of the members of the Psychedelic Society here in Minneapolis, speaking really to a profound realization he had about the nature of reality. Now, These insights can be quite clear during the trip, but once our feet are back on the ground, it can be difficult to make sense of them in terms of our day-to-day life. What do we believe? What did this experience mean?
3: I think it takes time to even just process the fact of what you learned as a belief or lack thereof in the psychedelic session. It's radical. You're downloaded with DNA from the universe and you're saying, That sounds kind of crazy. People that define themselves as atheists that do not believe in God or agnostic that do believe in some sort of higher but don't understand it or have proof, they immediately have context to a source.
2: Now what's interesting is that this is not too uncommon of a phenomenon. Dr. Ryan Westrum, who has worked with many clients over years as a psychedelic integration therapist, describes what he's come across, and it echoes what we hear from Carl's story. My experiences have
7: what I call continually led me to the foot of the cross.
3: I've heard the spectrum of people starting in atheism and going to Hinduism and then going to Taoism and then going to some nuance of Catholicism all under the same context of doing their psychedelic experiences.
7: Yeah, and so then having to do, you know, like if, if that's, if I'm saying like, okay, um, what, why is this happening? What's going on? Is there a reality there that I need to take seriously? Um, has inspired uh, like a really genuine um, search into the realm of the spirit. I was trying to make sense out of these sorts of mystical experiences, um, like diving into uh, a deep study of um, Christianity, but also Buddhism has uh, been a really great resource.
3: That's another aspect of integration is challenging yourself to explore and look into things. And so it gives you an opportunity to dive into it and making it um, bigger. I, I, I use that term quite a bit is making it bigger.
2: That prompt, I think, is a great example of how one might begin to integrate their psychedelic experience, as Chris and I talked about, making it bigger. And so this is a really interesting idea because what we encounter in the psychedelic experience is so vast, we might call it infinite. I would certainly call it infinite. Yeah, I That means that, again, it might be something about our emotional life that's infinite. It might be something about our place in the universe, our our, our capacity to make changes and, and love and live in this world. But it's huge. And so I like this prompt that he has of making it bigger because in ordinary experience, somehow we have to reconnect with that infinite thing we found in the experience and so that prompt at least for me the way I interpret that is it's a way to push us back to that infinite thing
5: a person maybe without that would be dwelling on superficial things more often like the the petty issues between people and and getting caught up in material uh, attachments I think Chris is
2: right there. And one of the biggest attachments we all have as human beings is this one body, this one body that will eventually break down and die. And Dr. Ryan Westrom was kind enough to share the story of a client who came face-to-face with that reality in one of their psychedelic experiences
3: all along the conversation and the integrated process, they said to me, you know, I was so deathly afraid of dying. I was, it was the fear that I could not shake and they're getting older and older. And in that psychedelic experience, they felt what it was like to go back to earth, go back to their mother's womb, go back to the experience. And they reported an opportunity to feel at peace With dying for the first time I mean this is a 55 year old individual that said their life dehabilitation was I'm going to die someday Mm -hmm. and here they have this experience they feel like dirt like the compost of earth and they associate all these peripheral experiences of being with their mother's womb being with the cosmic universe and understanding when they decompose it's all good Mm -hmm. and they're going back to the source that's beautiful
2: You might be wondering, how did this person integrate that psychedelic experience? Well, they found a way to make bigger that encounter they had with the earth and with the dirt in their day-to-day life.
3: They all of a sudden became like this brilliant savant in uh, gardening, and they're like, hey, I'm going to learn all about compost. And so clearly, psychedelic integration can take many forms, but it seems
2: as though the one thing that remains a constant is the need for the individual to address or confront whatever came up for them in that psychedelic experience. As Jessica Nielsen, we heard from earlier, had to learn the hard way.
6: And so I learned this early on when I was, you know, in college or graduate school and I was, um, I was doing mushrooms a little too much. I was in a very unhappy marriage and using it as kind of an escape. I liked that world. It felt so much better than my world. And it kind of became its own issue. And I started having really bad trips because it started coming up like, okay, we've already told you what you need to do. We've already given you the lessons that you need to learn and identified the problem areas. And you keep coming back and you're not doing the work and like you want more answers. And and, and it just started becoming very unpleasant. And every single time I did anything, didn't matter what it was, um, in terms of kind of mind-altering substances, I'd always go right to that sort of like hellish realm. of Like, you have a lot of work to do, get to it.
2: And this really highlights the value of an integration therapist, or any type of therapist like Ryan, who's able to be supportive of somebody in the work that they're doing. Because as we'll hear from one of our Psychedelic Society members in a moment, the stuff that comes up isn't always easy to deal with or easy to process.
0: This component of my personality was with me all night and I could not purge. I couldn't purge, and I felt like I was holding on to this thing, that I couldn't let it go or that I couldn't give it to ayahuasca. It contains a a piece of my shadow as well, and what I thought I needed to purge is in fact what I needed to accept. So the message was not, you know, you have to get rid of this part of yourself. It was, it's become, just accept yourself. Just accept this part of yourself and work with it. You know, I'll just say that working with a therapist on self-acceptance and self-love, which was my intention in Peru, has been what integration has become for me.
2: Big thanks to Zach Minneapolis Psychedelic Society member for sharing that great story. And it's really quite instructive, especially because at the end there, he describes this, this task of learning how to embody that self-acceptance as a kind of work that he does with his therapist and in his day-to-day life. And that's something that we hear from our other guests it's been a lot of hard work,
7: but it's work uh, to become better.
6: I have to slowly incorporate these major changes into my life over the next couple of years. and And that's fine. And I'm like i have my I have my to-do list, and I'm working on it.
3: And again, I have to advocate. It's an active process of integration and saying, okay, I had this peace, love, and happiness experience with psilocybin. How, why did it go away four months later? Well, I don't believe you worked with it. I don't believe that it might have stuck. Or you have to keep practicing. It's a practice. You can't just go to the gym and think you're going to bulk up at your, you know, your squats or your bench press without working at it.
2: So without this effortful participation, this work, a Psychedelic Trip end up being nothing more than a wild drug
4: experience. When I was 16, I took two tabs of acid to get fucked up. I heard a little bit uh, about, okay, I think it was from DARE class. They said that uh, the walls mount, uh, <laughs> you know, all these kind of things. I'm like, that sounds amazing. <laughs> I going to try that. Yeah. Thanks, so. thanks, DARE. Yeah, so I appreciate the fuck out of that, thank you. But, you know, that was my experience and, and it was great and everything. But I wonder if I had maybe some preparation, uh, maybe some intentions of working through something therapeutically. Um, I could have gone deeper, maybe took more value from the experience.
2: Now, many of us may not be taking two tabs to get fucked up, but we may, like Josh, be looking for a little bit more insight and guidance in how to integrate these experiences into our day-to-day life. And so this last segment, we're gonna take a look at some of the barriers that people have encountered and how to overcome them, and more generally, just some tips about what can make a psychedelic integrative process more smooth. And one big barrier is just the simple fact that you come down, that the effect of the drug
5: wears off. It's a fall from grace that really sucks. You feel it just evaporating, like all those amazing insights of truth. You know, you can even feel yourself forgetting as seconds and minutes go by towards the end of your experience. So, one big roadblock is just remembering what the hell happened
1: many of the images that are so vivid while i'm on the journey three or six or ten weeks later i can't remember them i can't remember what they looked like i can't remember exactly what the lessons were so i've made it a practice to as soon as i'm cogent enough to have a pen in my hand (laughs) i write down the images that i saw and what sense i made of them so that I can refer back to those and it refreshes my recollection.
5: If you can get some stuff down on paper, like a lot of times I'll get my list of things to do out. Put some some check boxes for me to like have these tasks in the near future to be completed, and like right after, or even no, during the psychedelic experience, I'll start making a list of things to do. Oh, okay. You need to do this and this and this, and try to explain it in a way that I think I'll be able to understand uh, after the the drug wears off. And so that is one of the big challenges of coming
2: down, forgetting. But another big challenge of coming down is the fact that we have got to return to ordinary consciousness and ordinary life, the place where we need to pay our bills, where we need to go to our job. And so that transition can be challenging if we don't have support, if we don't have people to help us feel grounded, as Carl talks about here.
7: And so like having other experienced psychonauts available to help with the process uh is in my opinion vital uh to kind of bring you back to a grounded space and uh you know be reassuring and also you know giving giving a reality check um you know making sure that you're doing really basic things to take care of yourself
2: Now, to round out this section on tips for psychedelic integration, we're going to hear from Dr. Ryan Westrom to see what he finds helpful in his own integration work.
3: In my experience of any non-ordinary state uh, experience, be it uh, breath work, be it uh, uh, an ecstatic dance experience, a festival, psychedelic experience, what I initially do is I really make sure that my aftercare is taken care of, and it's the common really hydration, food, sleep, and um, my cognition, right? And so working with individuals that I trust and participate with to make sure, hey, I'm gonna be taken care of physically, is the most important part because it feels like a marathon doesn't matter if you're breathing for three hours or if you're on a psychedelic journey for six Mm -hmm. we have to take care of our physical body parts Uh, then i start to really digest what my experience is being gentle with myself all along the way i encourage gentleness throughout the entire experience of integration and being open two nuances of change and what that looks like is hey maybe I want to start journaling and that's my MO is I'm a writer I love to write but for some reason this integrative process isn't working with writing and so I'll do art or I'll do physical ecstatic kind of body movements and you the reason why I'm saying that is you have to be connected to what happened in the experience of the psychedelic work so if it was a full body experience you're not going to integrate that potentially with, hey, I'm going to just start writing about this. Mm -hmm. You might start learning something new. You might start bicycling. You might start doing some kind of new exercise. It's all about kind of making it your own. And um, You would ask what I do is I simply just kind of challenge myself to do something new that kind of pushes the limits of all expansion of uh, walking with it.
2: Now, as we bring this episode to a close, you might be wondering, what does the Minneapolis Psychedelic Society offer in terms of support for integration? Well, let's hear from Dr. Ryan Westrum just one more time and get his thoughts on how the Psychedelic Society of Minneapolis brings value to the larger community.
3: What I see is an open hearted community of intelligent people that are trying to pass the word on with mindfulness and presence. And I don't see it as this like standing at the mountaintop saying, This is the way you have to be. It's a very um, amazing community to walk within that you can see people and not have to feel like you have to change them or they change you. We're talking about something that we care about, that we know we're not gonna get persecuted for, and we're going to feel um, welcome. And that's what I see the Psychedelic Society of Minneapolis is doing here locally, is they're they're not pushing anything, they're just talking about something.
2: And so if you or anyone you know is interested in joining the Minneapolis Psychedelic Society, just go ahead and look that title up on meetup.com, either on your phone or on your computer, And that's how you'll find our group. You can become a member, and then you'll be able to access all the different events we hold, whether it's one of our philosophy discussions, one of our storytelling events. They really are a great way to connect with other people and talk about your experiences. Because as much as this integrative work happens on our own, I really think that having a community, having people to connect with about these psychedelic experiences is so nourishing and so helpful. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And a final thank you to all of our guests, Dr. Ryan Westrom, Dr. Jessica Nielsen, Carl, Zach. Much love to you all. Check out the notes we'll have to resources in the show notes. If you enjoyed some of the trippier music in this episode, such as the song playing in the background right now, do check out Mugshot Davin in the show notes. They are a Minneapolis Psychedelic Society member, and they have a ton of great psychedelic music up online. And if you enjoyed this episode, we would love to have you leave us a great review in the iTunes store. And stay tuned for our next episodes. We're going to have an incredible interview for you with someone who found incredible healing with Iboga. This has been the
3: Psychedelic Renaissance Podcast.
4: All conversation and information exchanged on the Psychedelic Renaissance Podcast is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice. Nothing on this podcast should supersede or supplement the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although this podcast has medical professionals on it, they are not functioning as so in this environment. The Psychedelic Renaissance Podcast does not encourage the illicit use of illegal substances. We encourage you to think for yourselves. We encourage you to discern all information presented in this episode and kids don't do drugs but parents you might want to do your research